I'm Jennifer Morrison, and you're listening to The Bookshelf, where I talk with the authors I love about the books I love. We are talking with one of my favorite people today, Amy Berryman, the playwright who wrote one of my favorite plays, Walden. Amy is someone who has become incredibly special to me. I met her because I loved the play. I was so excited to talk to her and just very excited that on the other side of this conversation, we were able to become friends and I've actually taken a writing workshop that she teaches that's incredible. She teaches intuitive playwriting, which if you are a writer or interested in writing, I would highly recommend looking into taking one of her classes. She has such a generous, kind, supportive approach to working with writers. It's really inspiring, but she's an incredible human being. She is so talented. I cannot wait for you guys to be able to hang out with her for the next hour. Well, we're so excited to be talking to you. And even my dog was like wanting to join. <laughs> she was on my lap and she was like, it's Amy Berryman. I want to be on your lap. Oh, it's so sweet. Well, thank uh, you so much. I'm honored to be talking to you. I'm a huge fan and this is just really cool. And I listened to one of your other interviews and it was amazing. I got so much out of it as a writer. So it was- well, That's so nice to hear. Thank you. I feel very um, lucky. This has been such a passion project for me and for the whole company. We all love reading and we all love going to theater. It's been so fun to get to talk to all these people that I really admire their work and hear the process and hear what goes into it for everyone because it's so easy for all of us to go and either read the novel or see the play and go like, well, that's really cool and mm -hmm. really enjoy it, but not really know what it takes to actually build yeah. something brick by brick to get it to the place where people are ready to share it with the world like that. I was very excited when I was sent Walden. I fell in love with it. I was very sad that it was already optioned by a production company. <laughs> I was like, this is a great movie. Thank you. But I'm going to start by just saying like, excuse some of my ignorance in terms of just not knowing how often it's been performed. So let me just dig yeah. in a little bit there. Has this had a workshop production? Has this been put up in New York or somewhere else? What's sort of the history of the project right now? Oh my goodness. Well, it's quite a story. It's had quite a little journey so far. I started writing it in 2016. I started as an actor and then moved towards writing because I'm just such a like go-getter, need to have things to do kind of person. And as an actor, I was just a little sick of waiting around for things and then also found that I like really had a lot to say. And so Walden was my second full-length play and was writing it in 2016. Heard the first draft the day after the 2016 election. Oh, wow. From there, it's was lucky to have a lot of workshops. It got into some really great theater conferences and I was able to see it in reading form and in front of audiences and work with different directors and that really informed the development of it. And then it was going to have a world premiere at a theater in the Philadelphia area. And in the middle of 2020, that went away and was like, well, what will my life in the theater be? Sonia Friedman, who's a huge UK theater producer, just like one of the very, very best, read it, loved it and said, I want to put this on the West End oh. when we come back from COVID. And wow. she was, in the UK, they were really eager to get things running soon. And so it was originally pitched as this very kind of bare bones thing that maybe we would also film and it would be socially distanced and it was going to happen in November 2020. And of course that got pushed, but it did finally happen in spring of 2021. It was the first playback in the Harold Pinter Theater. It was my first production of a play. And it was wow. with like legendary theater director, Ian 
Rickson, incredible cast, Gemma Arterton, Lydia Wilson, Fainty Balogun. It was a very huge artistic moment in my life. It just was such an incredible experience and also was just such a magical thing to happen in the middle of such a challenging time. Very intense, like it was a lot. It was a very intense time. Yeah. From there, it actually had a regional production in Hartford, Connecticut at Theatre Works Hartford, directed by Man Teo, a great theater director as well, and it was an outdoor production, and the design was incredible. They built this cabin, like, on this piece of land near the theater, and the audience had to walk, like, a thousand steps from the parking lot to where they were going to sit, and the actors had mics, and the audience had headphones, so it was very intimate. Oh, like, it wasn't wow. dark or anything, so it was just a really beautiful production as well and hopefully from there there's going to be more yeah it had its premiere on the west end which was an absolutely wild magic thing that happened congratulations that's just amazing especially after the whole roller coaster of when it was coming to fruition with the pandemic and everything that's just incredible it doesn't surprise me at all you know you said earlier you tipped into writing realizing you had a lot to say was there a seed idea that kind of sparked these characters and this story yeah some of it was climate anxiety on my part and thinking like, so what are we going to do when it's too late to do anything? What's going to happen when we're past that point? At that point, I didn't know very much. I hadn't done a ton of research, but I was just really curious. Like, will we literally have to go to other planets and see if we can build something new there? Like, is that what's going to happen? And so I'd originally conceived of the EAs almost as like the more science denying people or Mm. sort of a more conservative group of folks and that science at this point says like well all of y'all should have gotten on board we have to go find somewhere else sure. and then the more research I did the more I was like oh no I'm definitely an earth advocate I think we should save this planet you know I suddenly became an EA so it was actually really interesting as the politics developed of the play like my mind changed in the research that's so cool I mean yeah. I think I feel that as a reader or I guess as an audience of it it's like I was trying to explain this to friends of mine and I said I wouldn't be able to tell you the politics of the writer because I felt like Mm. you did such a great job of showing that all the different sides have really fair points. Mm. It's so easy to try to delineate things into these categories, but really nothing falls into easy categories. There's like good and bad in all the quote unquote categories, right? And so it's such a tricky line to walk. It really exists in Walden where, you know, you find yourself starting to agree with Cassie about all the NASA stuff. And then you're like, no, but now I sort of agree about all of the EA stuff. And then you're like, oh my god I wouldn't want to be still and caught between both you know yes totally (laughs) what is your research process like to be able to get to a place like that do you just sit in the library for hours is it going down rabbit holes online or well yeah there's definitely so much to research online I I was able early on in the process to speak with someone who was an astronaut candidate in France who was a botanist who's doing some of the stuff that Cassie did so that was actually really helpful but as far as going down rabbit hole of space colonization at the time, it was strange right before I went to London was when we were putting a rover on Mars and billionaires were starting to go to space. All this stuff was kind of coming true in this play that I was, oh my God, this is really interesting. So there's definitely a lot that I felt I learned reading different arguments as to where should we be putting our money? Should we be putting it into space exploration or investing in somewhere else? Or should we be putting that here? So I love NASA and space exploration. Like I'm really interested in all of that. And I'm also really invested in the climate movement and also learned a lot in the rehearsal process in London. We also got to speak with Dr. Peggy Whitson, who's an incredible astronaut. We 
just speak with her on Zoom. There was a lot of research that helped both develop the different points of view in the play, but also gave it more nuance as it got closer and closer to production. The sisters, I am a sister, but I have a brother. I grew up in a family of artists. My dad is a jack of all trades, writer, director, musician, incredible artist, and my brother is an incredible singer. And I also wanted to be an actor and also sing. I felt like so devoted to the art form and my brother was so good at it. Growing up, there was that tension within me and now my brother and I are great and kind of on totally different paths yeah. but I was really thinking about that question of am I going to get to live the artist's life I want to live should I keep going as an actor you know there were all those questions in there as well as I was writing it it's a very um instinctual piece I guess like there's a lot in there that I didn't even realize was in there <laughs> until I started the rehearsal process because with this incredible director Ian Rickson there's no stone unturned and then you start to see like oh my god that's also in this play I did not mean to even put that in there but subconsciously it's in there so it was a really cool process. That's fascinating. I was curious because your stage directions are so wonderful. They're so additive to the reading experience. I feel like it really lets you imagine all of the interactions. It felt almost more like reading a screenplay. It's like the world gets so visually yeah. set up. And I was curious about your process with stage directions. Like how much of that is stuff that was really loaded in there from you? And where was the blend in terms of once you started to see it on its feet? Were there things that shifted once you saw it that you felt like, oh, now this should live with the play or silences that are built in or right. how much of that was you imagining it one way and how much of it was the actors and the director of the production sort of started to shape it? If anything, once we started rehearsing it, stage direction started going away mm. um, because I felt I learned and was taught through that process how much I can trust the actors and the director with it and to just let the actor decide the way they want to say that line that maybe I don't necessarily need every single direction to each actor to let them know how to act it that they will get to make those choices for themselves but things like where I put beat or silence like those are pretty important to me yeah so I kept those in because I think it really helps with the rhythm of the awkwardness between the characters of the tension the humor yeah so a lot of that I think was sort of instinctual I mean there were a lot of changes seeing it on its feet for sure like sure. little cuts here and there or new speech for someone but I think a lot of it was just pairing it away so that it can be more and more kind of a collaboration between all of us as artists and not just yeah. me directing it on the page, you know? Yeah. The words are very economical. It yeah. feels so real. Like everybody feels like a real person and everybody has such a clear voice, but I was really struck by how economical it was. Not a wasted word. Is that part of your process? Does it start more like stream of consciousness and kind of gets paired back and paired back and paired back? Or is that kind of how you think is just with an efficiency? Of uh, work? Great question. For instance, the play used to begin with two speeches, <laughs> one from Cassie and one from Stella that we're just hearing mm. um, like in darkness. And it was sort of them speaking to each other in a way, but it was also their inner life. And it had been there for a long time. And I was just like, I'll just keep going with this. I like kind of liked them, but I also thought this is just the only way I really knew how to begin this play. Mm. And Ian, the director of the West End production, encouraged me to just, maybe we don't need that because I think we're going to learn these things. We're going to learn about these women further along we go in the play. Like, let's yeah. just confidently begin in the middle of Stella in the cabin. You know, like, 
let's just start there. But I do think my brain does think economically for sure. I'm interested in putting words on the page. Sometimes it almost look like poetry at times because the line breaks. And it's not necessarily that the actor has to slow down there, but it's just sort of the thought process, you know, it's breaking up the thought. I don't know. It's again, sort of an instinctual thing, I think. Yeah, no, it's really beautiful to read because of that, because I'm also an actor. I'm imagining right. all of the words feel like there's that connection to it. Did you feel like your years of experience as an actor really play into how you approach writing? I definitely think so because I'm definitely very character based in the work or that's kind of my way in and I feel often emotionally connected to them like I think that it definitely influences also how I hear dialogue I guess or just mm-hmm. I feel very attuned to the way people talk and as I'm writing I can hear the voices more than even see visually things happening I guess so I'm hearing the different ways that the different characters speak but I do think that actors inherently are tend to be pretty good writers in a lot of ways I think they inherently know story because they've spent so long putting themselves in it and through it and through these journeys you know they know when a piece has a great arc for a character I think it's a great place I I actually don't fully understand how other playwrights who aren't actors do it but kudos to them (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's true it's weird because like if you've been an actor you can't unknow being an actor I know who knows what that's like right I don't know what that's like but there are some amazing non-actor playwrights obviously when you mentioned earlier so you said your father is a writer director as well is your mom an artist as well my mom is a speech pathologist so she's not really in the arts but very supportive they were both very supportive through all these years of struggling before some stuff finally like broke through what were those years of struggling I'm always curious because I feel like everyone always talks about the success and Mm -hmm. sometimes it can feel very disheartening to people when they're in the struggle what was the shape of that when did you really know you wanted to be an actor when did you kind of feel like no I want to shift to writing and what were those struggles I think I knew I wanted to be an actor from when I was in a production of Our Town in seventh grade playing one of the moms but it was just one of those experiences where I felt so obsessed with rehearsing I felt obsessed with being in the theater with the play itself it wasn't just the applause or the event of it you know it was like the whole process and I went to school for acting in Cincinnati University of Cincinnati CCM and then I graduated moved to New York didn't know what I was doing at all like was just sort of thrown into the ocean of New York City and worked in restaurants for 10 years sort of made my way through that world which was an interesting years is a long time to be a long time in restaurants exactly and I started writing after I was cast in a play in the Humana Festival which is this great theater festival RIP I think it no longer exists post pandemic it's a festival where there's like five or six different plays being done at once and all of New York would come and see it like it was a very cool and amazing festival and got to be around a lot of playwrights sort of got steeped in that new play development process and was interested and also was super depressed after that amazing job Mm. and put myself in a playwriting class and just didn't really look back. It just felt like something was clicking. And it also felt like as I wrote, finished my first play, started working on another one, it just felt like doors opened so easily, Mm. whereas acting had felt like such a fight the whole way. And there were some doors opening. Writing was just such a clearer path and it was making me so much happier so um, that's a good sign that's a great sign right (laughs) I think just getting to create the process and getting to be the one who created all of this energy around it was really a profound shift 
What was the playwriting course like? You know, I get asked all the time, not that I'm anyone to ask about this, but you know, like what classes should I take? Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to point people when it comes to taking a writing class or something like that. Well, it's funny you should mention it. I do teach playwriting classes on Zoom that I oh, amazing. do that every month and a half or something, put out a new round of them. But that class was through this amazing writer, Jessica Dickey, um, who just taught out of her apartment at the time and who's a mentor of mine. She's very successful writer so I don't know that she's teaching anymore but I tend to do that now because I like to particularly for actors like teach for mm -hmm. actors because I think I write like I've said from such an instinctive place and I think other people can do that too it doesn't have to be so scary that you don't have to know everything going in like I think writing more for TV film you have to know more you have to kind of outline everything you have to send in those outlines to people and everything yeah. but yeah. in playwriting I still really like to have a little general idea of where I'm going or who the characters are and then just get in there on the page and see what happens and go from there. It's a little scarier to do it that way because you're like, okay, uh, like feeling around in the dark for what's going to happen next sometimes. Um, yeah. But I also find that plays come from such a heartfelt, soulful place in that way. It doesn't have to be so scary to dive in and try writing. Sure. It's so interesting to hear that you like get in there and you let the characters lead you in terms of what What's happening next it does sound scary um <laughs> and um but is there a point in that process especially now that you you've written a few things a few more plays yeah. is there a point where you're starting to notice like oh this is when i start to see the end like do you kind uh -huh. of see the yes. end coming as i'm writing again more for tv film like i'm trying to train myself to see the end sooner but i think once you're in the middle usually in my class midway through we start to talk about like a midpoint where everything maybe shifts or something is revealed yeah. sort of turns everything around and then and also start to slowly think about possibly an ending and getting to like a character defining choice at a climax mm. like to the place where your character that you've led along this whole journey has to make that big decision for themselves so every once in a while I'll get right up to the end and I'm like I don't know I don't know I don't know and then they always something happens and isn't it crazy I mean listen I'm a baby writer I'm not I feel like I can't even yet call myself a writer but I've been doing all the bad writing I'm getting all the bad writing out right. But I've been working on a project where I was, I had outlined the whole thing. The outline worked up until about page 46 uh -huh. and then it didn't work at all. I was trying to force the outline. I was like, these people wouldn't do this. So right. I dropped the outline from there to the end. Mm -hmm. And so I was in that situation of just kind of like waiting to see where they took me. And it was so weird, that feeling of just like, I feel like they're telling me what has to happen. Yes. I, I can't explain that to someone, but that's such a weird phenomenon. So like they kind of have a soul and they start yes. going against you. <laughs> you know, Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. I think she's amazing. I love her TED talk on creativity and where she really talks about how people used to imagine geniuses outside of themselves and they didn't used to imagine mm. artists themselves as geniuses, but like that the genius came to you. And huh. so there's like less of a pressure on yourself if you are just showing up every day and seeing if they're going to come, <laughs> you know, seeing Wow, yeah. And you're like, I'm doing my job. I'm showing up all the time. I'm here. I'm writing. You have to show up too. And it's very woo-woo, obviously, but I really kind of believe in it. It's helpful for me to think they're going to show up at some point. I just have to keep believing and keep trying to problem solve it and trying to fix this puzzle. Yeah. 
Do you have little like tricks that you rely on in those moments when you feel stuck? You know, it's like, I don't know why, but when I would feel stuck, it felt too much pressure for me to keep adding on. And, you know, I'm on page 80. I keep writing at page 80, felt like too much pressure, like it was somehow committing to it. So it started mm-hmm. a new document and I would just write a scene yeah. from the new document. So I had all these right. documents all over and then was like, yeah. oh, this goes here and this goes here and this goes here. Oh, I need a little transition here. But there was something yeah. about separating it that somehow got me out of my head. Do you, mm-hmm. do you have little like go-tos like That's that? something I do sometimes I'll have a document where I have all my notes or dumb bad scenes that I'm writing and then I have the other document that then once I get a good one I'll paste it into so I just kind of running long document that's ideas thoughts hodgepodge of things that have to do with the piece but it's not the piece and that is sort of freeing it's a more freeing space to be like well this this doesn't have to count um, right this yes really yeah. <laughs> <be anything. laughs> but I think that's a really good strategy that you have and I think sometimes also I'll t- really try to look at like okay this character at the beginning is this kind of person so what is literally the very opposite of that not that I'm necessarily going to go there but how can I push the envelope as far as possible and see who they might become later or like mm-hmm. what might their journey be. You know, I, I try to look at opposites a lot and also to look at other plays and how other plays are written and what structurally people do in play or films, you know, just sure. like, okay, I really like this play and that play had a twist that I really like. Okay, how did they do that? How could that be put into my play? How could I find a twist? So, okay, I would have to find then the lie. This is actually how I kind of found part of Walden pretty late in the game. Spoiler alert that Cassie is not being completely forthright with why she's there and then that's dropped pretty late in sort of a climactic scene between the two of them that wasn't there for a while I just knew it was this climactic scene where there was mm. kind of like a physical fight for a while in early draft you know it was like I didn't know what it was gonna be but I had the whole draft then and then I'm like okay this doesn't feel right where could the lie be I feel like there's something there's some layer here that I don't yeah. know so if I now I might start writing this play and I might have the skill to know where I'm going more or, yeah yeah I I just also say that to be encouraging to people who might be starting writing because you can write the like kind of bad draft of it and then find that stuff later. It just takes longer. <laughs> it's sure. tedious. <laughs> well, you don't know what you don't know when you don't know it. So. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Totally. It's really cool to hear that. Do you feel like you have a sense of how many drafts you wrote before you really shared it with people? Like, I don't mean like shared it with people that oh, you sure, trusted. You were like, I'm sending this to people mm-hmm. as the thing that I think it is. I would say at least five drafts of it probably for that play i mean honestly i probably started submitting it pretty fast because i was just kind of trying to make stuff happen oh yeah Um, but didn't get into festivals until like 2018 so that's like two years after the first draft wow and some of that was the play continuing to get better and some of it was meeting the moment or something like i do feel like the play has sort of continued to become more and more relevant for lack of a better word yeah or potent or something i just think you just don't know who's going to connect with your work is the other thing like that is a huge encouraging piece of advice I try to give to people because I didn't know that Sonia Friedman was going to connect with my play like I didn't know you were going to connect with my play you know I have no idea Uh, I think you just have to keep putting your stuff out there as challenging as it is sometimes when you keep getting those rejections I as a writer was just so excited to get like written rejections instead of as an actor where you just never hear anything again I was like this is great (laughs) oh my god it just shows how abused we all are as actors no, the fact that we're oh like well at least they're rejecting me in writing instead yes. of not just ignoring me 
Oh, oh wow Oof, man it just shows you what we all get used to right oh, just kind of adapt yeah, to all the craziness <laughs> so yeah. crazy you know i've spoken to a lot of novelists now mm -hmm. and it's very different for them because pretty early on they have an editor that becomes kind of their partner in crime of like helping guide some of the story or trim things back or rearrange things do you have those sort of trustworthy people are those your agents are those friends are they your mentor do you have that sort of circle of people to do that with? I have definitely some trusted readers of early drafts or people that I might want to put in a room where I'm hearing a first draft that's mm. just for me. I definitely have those people and then agents, managers at this point are very helpful but I didn't have that for a long time. But directors are also such helpful cohorts in making the play. To get to sit on Zoom before getting to London with Ian Rickson for many hours was wow. just, I mean, masterclass in storytelling and so generous and so helpful. So I think in the play development process, the director can, and actors, honestly, can be helpful in showing you, you know, what's there and what's not there, or what's still lacking, what's working, what's not working. But yeah, I'm jealous of that about novelists. That sounds really great. <laughs> no, I was like, I feel like I wish every career had that. Yeah. We all had an assigned person to help us work through it. <laughs> it's so helpful to have that outside perspective that's really just looking out for the piece and can be a little more removed from it. Right, and they haven't gone through every version of it in your head. You're living with all the versions that ever existed mm -hmm. and all the possibilities that you never even put on the page. Mm -hmm. and that's a lot to have bouncing around in there, whereas like yeah. they're just reading what's on the page and responding to exactly what's on the page, which I think right. is also such a helpful, just right. probably a similar position for a director to be in with you in right. that situation. It's really interesting in rehearsal because you do table work where you mm -hmm. spend all this time really just talking through it. And this is something that doesn't happen with television or film usually, but it's a big part of the rehearsal process play. And as an actor, I love table work. I love that time. I love hearing how everyone's thinking about it. I feel like it gives you all these shared memories with exactly. everyone. I don't just know where I'm approaching it from, but I know where, you know, every other actor is approaching it from and their thought process because we've all sort of <laughs> spoken it out around the table. And I think there's just such a wonderful history that you create with all those people and a history that feels relevant to the play. What's table work like for a writer? I mean, is that terrifying to be like, okay, they're all going to pick it apart? <laughs> I also think it's fun. You know, I think it's a fun moment to get to really dig in, but it, it can definitely be scary and exposing. It can feel like someone's looking in your journal or something. That was in the process in table work when I started to see some things that I was like, I didn't even realize I put this element of my life in this play. You know, I didn't even mean to do that. I do find that process really fun and rewarding. And with this play in particular, I think that idea of shared memories is actually really important for the play because a lot has happened in the past that we're starting at a place where these characters have such intense relationships to each other, except Cassie and Brian are meeting for the first yeah. time. But so in rehearsals, in both productions that I've done of it, both directors separately tried to help the actors improvise and create their own memories with each other so that they had these memories of what it was like to be at NASA together and have these memories with their dad. Like they did some interesting improv oh. on their own without knowing that the other production had also done that to kind of create these shared memories with each other. It was so fascinating and really cool to see. Yeah, it's really baked in there. I feel like I don't even know where to start in terms of actually talking about the story because it's so rich with things going on from moment to moment. Yeah. And like you said earlier about like even just looking at the way that things are written out, wanting it to look like poetry. It mm -hmm. does feel very poetic, but it also feels like things people 
would actually say. Yeah. I was really taken aback by that. I really enjoyed that. And I felt like part of the reason that it all worked so well is because you could say that this play is about climate change. You could say mm-hmm. that it's about science or it's about mm-hmm. the earth, or you could say it's about something being set in the future. But really, it's really complicated family dynamics. Yes. You know, like it just, that's the backdrop for all of it. Yes. But you managed to kind of make all of that research feel like it was just oozing out of their history. Again, is that like an intuitive thing for you? Or just over time, is there a layering? It's like as you're learning new things about NASA or learning new things about how you might be able to till the earth once we're past a lot of disasters. Are you going back through and saying, oh, this might be where they talk about their feet hurting if they were in space for too long. And then, oh God, if the cork trees all were extinct, is that stuff that sort of inspires the initial writing? Or does that feel like kind of starts to get layered in over time. I think it's definitely a combination of both. I think some of that first scene with the three of them, feet hurting, cork stuff, that all is like pretty close to a first draft or like that is sort of just what came out in a weird way. I had done a little bit of research about NASA astronauts and what happens to them. It was also very inspired by like the Kelly twins experiment, Scott Kelly and Mark Kelly. Oh. Kelly is our senator in Arizona, but his twin brother, they both have gone to space, but his twin brother, Scott, I think I'm getting Mark and Scott correct, was in space for a year and then they reviewed their DNA, these two identical twin brothers, and Scott's DNA had changed after being in space. Yeah. Whoa. So that was all really interesting information for them as they think about putting humans in space long-term or what the effects that's going to have on the body. So that was partially what inspired this twin idea and the twin experiment and putting one against the other and all of that. But I think I am a big fan of writing the kind of bad version first and then layering back in once I know more about like, okay, this is the kind of work Cassie's doing. How can I figure out how would you terraform a planet? You know, I'm like sitting here like watching YouTube videos and read listening to podcasts about terraforming and how could you do this? But I actually found this video of some woman doing some experiment in like Greenland or something using um, tardigrades, this water bears, these like teeny tiny microscopic organisms, but they can survive in space and survive coming right. back down to earth. And they're sort of indestructible. Just kind of putting those details in. I think Ian said like, I wonder if the word tardigrade has ever been said on the West End. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. Probably not. All that came in and like sort of a final draft was some of that, those specifics about what she's doing and how to sort of convey that succinctly is really tricky. But then you have all the dynamics there already, the emotional dynamics and then layering. I mean, it already was kind of against a big world, like kind of a big sci-fi world, but it's just so focused in on the three of them. And I think that that's part of what seems to draw people to the play in a way that it's told from such a, that it's so zeroed in on them, but there's so much happening outside. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's really wonderful. What's your daily writing? like do you have a ritual to it or is it just you write when you can do you have a certain place you like to write a certain pen you like to write with or do you always type I used to be more of a writer who just like stole time just like took time when I could when I had a day off from the bar I would just kind of like sit and write all day long but now I'm trying to get more into like where I'm working on something every day I'm writing in some way every day and I am a big journaler I have tons and tons of filled journals which I think is always helpful for writers to kind of just dig up up the soil there that see what's happening yeah. and what's going on in you so I try to trick myself into writing usually I'm either like okay I'll just write for like 25 minutes or I'll write for 10 minutes and then I'll kind of get into it and just keep going or like I'll, I'll just transfer what I've handwritten on 
onto the computer. You know, <laughs> like that'll be writing. So I try to do that because sometimes I think just getting there and getting in the zone and getting enough space from everyday life and the tasks you have to do and people in your life just to get blinders on and get in that space, I think can yeah. be a challenge for sure. Yeah, it's tricky. Even when I'm setting aside time, there's always something that comes up that's urgent that oh, like yeah. threatens that space of time. And you're like, oh no, there can't be another urgent matter today. <laughs> like, no, I know. Have to just do it. Time is flying by here. So I'm going to actually get into my question I like to ask last, which is what is the best advice you've ever been given? And it doesn't have to be about writing it just the greatest piece of advice that you feel like you've been given one is like very recent and so it's just the one that's on my mind Hallie Pfeiffer who's an amazing tv writer and playwright and also an amazing actor I saw this thing that came up on Instagram there that she shared where she had said in a talk once that she tries to play a game with herself called the no one is ever going to read this game where she just really believes no one is ever going to read this so to me what that means for me is like both you allow it to be bad but then you can also allow it to be as personal as you want you know like I get nervous sometimes that I'm going to hurt people's feelings or you know that I'm writing something I shouldn't be a lot of stuff comes up for me that I'm getting super personal in my writing and so just to pretend like no one's ever going to see this like let me be as mean and violent and upsetting or what, whatever I want to be on, sure. on the page so that and then I don't know if this is advice but it just feels like something I want to share for writers who might be experiencing going through reviews or criticism or something you know as everybody a critic but when the criticism is out there or like your play goes up and then they're writing about your baby and all the papers and stuff and you're like what the hell and Ian when I called him after some of the reviews came out which were very good generally but there are some things that just you know any little thing you're like oh god and I just right. didn't have a process because it was my first time you know very intense thing but he said about critics he said they are the bird watchers but we are the birds and we get to fly oh that was so beautiful because <laughs> it's oh. like Right, we are here to do the thing. We are here to do the thing to fly and everybody else gets to watch and have their thought but they don't know what it is to be in it and like make this thing and that's why we're really making it we're not making it for these other people who are gonna say things about it. it for the journey of making it yeah exactly wow um, that's beautiful yeah. that's really well, beautiful it's like oh my god uh, he sounds amazing <laughs> amazing yeah can't say enough good things where can people find your playwriting classes if they were interested i have a link to email email about it on my website but I also post about it on Instagram so and what's your Instagram so folks know it's at Amy R Berryman the letter R awesome yeah well thank you so much for joining us I cannot tell you how much I love this play I can't wait to someday see it on its feet I can't wait to someday see it hopefully as a film um, and we're huge fans and if there's ever anything we can do to support you or get the word out when you have got plays coming up please let us know oh, oh my gosh I will this has been so wonderful thank you this was a really fun conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Bookshelf with Jennifer Morrison. The Bookshelf is produced by Gerardo Salasco and Amanda D'Souza. Intro and outro by Aaron Guidry.